They've got like a hundred five-star football players on their defense. They have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call. Five-star recruits everywhere and they play really physical. Damn. I think Memphis played more mature than we did. I think that, uh, which I don't even know exactly what that means, but they're more advanced than we were. And then um, sometimes morale doesn't need to be boosted. Now you need to boost something, but it's not always morale that needs to be boosted. And between now and tomorrow, I'm going to figure out what it is that needs to be boosted. And whether I'm right or not, we're going to boost something. Well, you know, like I told him, I mean, you know, we're not satisfied by any stretch, but you can't ever apologize for a win. You know, you know we don't have to have the best players. We just have to have the best team. Our kids have bought into that. Listen, potential doesn't, potential is the worst thing you can have. Because that means you ain't done it. I hate the word potential. Somebody says you got a potential to have a good team. That drives me nuts. That, mean, that means I'm not coaching right and they're not playing right. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, it's great to hear your voice here. I know we're into early May here. It's a dead mm-hmm. time in SEC land, but I have got us, Shane, one of your favorite things to talk about <laughs> in the offseason, SEC championship odds for all okay. 14 SEC teams. We got a couple news and notes around the league, and I got my buddy Jake Wimberly. Down there, mm-hmm. ESPN Radio 105.5, out of Mississippi, the number one radio station in the state of Mississippi. We're going to talk uh, all SEC teams. So, man, I'm for a, for a May show, Shane, it doesn't get much better than this. You know what? <laughs> no, it does not. I tell you, man, that state of Mississippi knows how to gamble. Every time I go down there, I come back with less money. You know what I'm saying? I've been to Biloxi. I've been out there. What's that one up uh, up north there by Memphis? Tunica. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, there's got to be some dead bodies up there, brother. <laughs> but I, I tell you, I have a blast every time we go. It reminds me of Porky's. I don't know if you remember that movie. <laughs> but uh, I do love me some Mississippi gambling, and uh, I love these. These are my favorite odds. These are the ones like, hey, you're sitting there, and you're like, what does it hurt? Throw 100 on this thing, see what happens. So well, I, I can't wait to hear these odds, Mike. Well, speaking of that, Shane, we'll get to it in just a moment there. We were teasing it. And speaking of, uh, you know, dead bodies out there, this guy, he may be deceased, Shane, because this is a great <laughs> clip you found real quick. Nick Saban, when he got to Tuscaloosa, this gas station attendant had something bad to say about uh, King Nick there. And ooh, fingers crossed this guy is, uh, is still <laughs> out there and kicking. All right, then you get in your car and you go home, and I don't have any gas in the car. So now I'm going to have to stop with seltzer. All right, so I put the gas in the car, I go in, and when I was at LSU, we won the national championship, so I had my LSU national championship ring on, and I pay the guy, and he said, wow, man, what is that ring you got on there? And I said, well, it's a national championship ring from LSU, and we're going to do the same thing here at Alabama. And the guy said, we'll never do it as long as that Nick Saban is the coach. (laughs) (laughs) How how great was that, Shade? (laughs) Oh, man, you know that guy's... 
Every day since then, he's like, you ain't going to believe I met Nick Saban. He probably <laughs> left the part out that he wished he wouldn't, you know, that there's no way they're going to win a championship within town. But I guarantee he's probably got it pulled up. He pulled up the camera and took a picture of it with his phone. He showed all his friends that the coach of Alabama was in his gas station. They just probably left the part out that, that he had no faith in the coach. But, uh, yeah, that guy is probably long gone, you know. And if he's not, I'm sure some booster owns that gas station is going to let him go tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> right Chad, we teased it let's get to the sec championship odds via caesar's sportsbook so again these are legitimate odds in in the state I of ask you, before, uh, uh-huh. before you get there before you yeah. get there i wonder you know nick saban said he was out of gas okay so clearly this before butch jones got down there but i'm just curious <laughs> who's filling up his tank right now who out of the coaching staff and all the quality assistants who do you think's running around getting saving coffee and filling up that gas tank so you don't have to deal with these attendants anymore? <laughs> well, I'm, now I'm sitting here just trying to think of the fired coaches that are down there because they got an army of them. Uh, oh, yeah. Is Dan Mullen down there? I don't think he's down there quite yet. He he may be by the end of the season. Um, Coach O ain't there, is he? No, he, didn't, he didn't pull in for a no. week, did he? <laughs> Saban's on record. He will not be hiring Coach O, he said. Um, yeah, that's a great question, Shane. I'll have to do some research, but I know there's several fired coaches that are still down there. I know one of the Stoops boys was down there, but he's been since hired away by Kentucky to, to rejoin Mm -hmm. with, I think it's Mike Stoops was, uh, so he's on staff with Mark Stoops now. So it ain't one of the Stoops boys, but it may have been Stoops, uh, in years (laughs) past. I'll tell you that. I'm just curious. I know there's somebody down there. You know it. That that Mercedes is always full. <laughs> All right, there's no transitioning from that. But, again, we've got odds, Shane, for the SEC Championship via Caesars Sportsbook. And, again, this is, you know, in the state of Tennessee, many others mm-hmm. across the country. These are legal betting odds. This ain't some overseas oh, where you got to pay with uh, electronic Bitcoin and all this junk. These are legitimate odds you can jump on right now. And there's a couple of these, Shane, that, uh, you know, our audience should jump on immediately. So let's start at the at the bottom of the list, kind of build some anticipation, Shane. No surprise, Vanderbilt is at the bottom. A thousand to one odds to win the SEC for the Vanderbilt Commodores. That feels about right, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like I don't even want to waste a dollar on that one, Mike. I hate it, but that that seems like it's a like they should be a little higher. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe ten thousand to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Vanderbilt. Hundred thousand. I mean, come on. I mean, let's let's be realist here. Is it is this like the max that they'll go? Or I, I'm not trying to bash Vandy, but we're talking about winning a national championship. There's, I mean, it's going to take an absolute miracle for them to win an SEC game this year. Right, right, right. These are SEC championship, not national championship odds. Oh, national. Okay, SEC. Okay, okay. Well, still, I mean, <laughs> yeah. All I right. mean, you you basically, on. if you win the SEC, you're winning the national championship. We know that okay. by now. Yeah. But right, now, Absolutely. next on the list, Shane, we're splitting it in half here. Five hundred to one. Who do you think that is? Mm, Five hundred to one, South Carolina. Close, but Missouri, five hundred to one. So mm. you know, you got. Twice as good odds as Vanderbilt. That's one way to look at it. Oh, I like that, man. That's a sneaky one. Just because of the scheduling, I like it. It's an East opponent. Mm-hmm. You're, you're thinking about somebody still in an SEC championship. So, uh, that one, that one's very intriguing to me. 
Now, you already hit on this team, Shane. South Carolina next on the list, 150 to 1 to win the SEC. And that that's one I think you got to at least put a couple bucks on here with all the transfers they've yeah. added. If they hit the lottery here with Spencer Rattler, I don't know. I'm, again, I'm not that's, I'm not saying South Carolina's going to win the SEC. Let's not go crazy. But I think it's worth betting a little bit on. Yeah, I, I'd put 100 on that one. I mean, like you said, because if – if the hype is real, then this is a real East contender, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like this bet. Um, I, I think that's where your I think that's where your best odds are coming from. You're going to put some money on it. So yeah, I like that at South Carolina. Put some money on that one. I, actually, I may I may put some money on that one today. Now these two, I know you're going to love Shane. Let's start with uh, Mississippi State. What do you think the odds are for that one? Mississippi State seventy five and one. See, that's probably what it should be, but it's a hundred to one. Ooh, Mississippi okay. State again. You know they caught fire towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. They put up a dud in the Egg Bowl. They put up a dud in the bowl game. So I think that's why national media types are saying, "Well, let's pump the brakes on Mississippi State." But Will Rogers mm-hmm. was my goodness, was he looking good towards the end of the season? If they continue that momentum. Mississippi State's offense is going to be a problem for the entire SEC, and a, and Zach mm-hmm. Arnett just he does a great job with that defense. So a hundred to one Mississippi State, I like the value in that one as well. Yeah, I think a lot of team, I think a lot of people sleeping on Mississippi State this year. I've said it several times. This is one of those teams I expect to hit the ground running, and uh, yeah, I like I like those odds. Now there's one other SEC team, Shane, with a hundred to one odds to win the SEC, and I give you a little bit of hint. This one will break your heart. Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> what are they doing down here? Hundred to Woodshade. I mean, oh, we're talking man. a team full of hype. <laughs> you know, they're gonna they're probably gonna be voted third in the SEC, maybe second in the SEC. A mm-hmm. lot of value in them balls right there at hundred to one, don't you think? Yeah, don't go send in that mortgage payment just yet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Let me make you some money here. Put it on that big orange Vols. That's I think it. This is one of those clearly is going to get bet down, Mike. Yeah, I, I think I think so too. With that offense, with everything they're they're bringing back, Hendon Hooker, you know, dark horse Heisman candidate here. Well, it's just the East has so many question marks right now. We, you know, there is hype. There's hype in Kentucky. There's hype in. Uh, South Carolina, you know, Mizzou's been under the radar a little bit, but they're picking up steam. Mm-hmm. You got Georgia Bulldogs. That's the team. So if you can get over Georgia, you know, then maybe a miracle happens and you win an SEC championship. So, uh, yeah, I, I think a, ten, a team like Tennessee that has no problem putting points on the board is a team that I like to put money on. Mm-hmm. Now, next on the list, Shane, 75 to 1. I'll give you a hint. Another SEC East team. Who do you think it is? Uh, 75 to 1? Kentucky. You almost had it, I think. I felt it. I think. I about Florida. Florida. (laughs) Yeah. Florida. I just, just, yeah, I think Vegas loves Florida more than they do Kentucky. And I don't think they should, but uh, that's why I was going that way. Not what I would put them, but, yeah, go ahead. 75 to 1? I think that's going to surprise a lot of people, Shane, that uh, Billy Napier year one. Not the fact that, uh, you know, they've got some talent down there, but putting them ahead of Tennessee, I think, you know, if you – I know it's impossible for you to take off your your biased hat there, but that is, that's a little bit of a surprise to me. How about you? 
Yeah. Um, who's their – obviously they got LSU, but who's their other uh, east opponent or west opponent? Uh, this year it's uh, Texas A&M. And that's at that's Texas why. A&M. Yeah, because, I, I mean, when you look, you bounce back and forth from Florida and Kentucky. It's uh, Maybe it's a scheduling thing is the only thing I can guess. You know, I, I just think Florida, the problem with them is, you know, how quick do they get out of the gate? But if they do, man, if they, if this team catches fire and they, they, they play true to their talent, who knows? They, I mean, they, they may be the team that surprises everybody. Now, how about this one, Shane? 50-1, to one, they're the only team in the SEC West – and I, I love this team. I got them as one of the best three in the in the SEC. LSU? Arkansas Razorbacks. Oh. The disrespect well, there, 50 to yeah, 1. Yeah, I was going to say. I was expecting them a little bit higher on this list uh, just because we have gone through the scheduling and mm-hmm. you convinced me that one loss, they're still going to win it all. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, so, I, I – I'm kind of – I don't know, man. Maybe I switch a little bit of that money from Florida and put it here on Arkansas because I think they're the one – they're the big team. They're the one that I've got a, a little asterisk by, and if the stars are aligned, uh, I could definitely see them playing in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Now we've got three teams here, Shane, all listed at 40-1. to 1. LSU, mm-hmm. Auburn, mm-hmm. which that's, that's a head-scratcher, and the Kentucky Wildcats. So I, I mean, I think the biggest stunner there has got to be Auburn, forty to one mm-hmm. to win the SEC. Don't you think? Yeah. As soon as you said that, I was like, I, all that bashing I've done for Auburn, you know, <laughs> I was like, maybe Vegas knows something I don't. You know? <laughs> hey, maybe that's good because every time I say anything bad about Auburn Tigers, we get fifteen replies thanking us. We're putting them down because they're probably going to have a an SEC championship run. So Auburn's always been one of those programs. Just as soon as you count them out, they're back in. So maybe that's what they're they're relying on, just to bounce back. Right. And LSU at forty to one. I mean, it makes some sense. I mean, they do, they do got a ton yeah. of talent. They're they've uh, raided the transfer portal. They've got a championship caliber coach now. I know he hasn't mm-hmm. won a, a national championship at the at college football's highest level, but he's won them at the lower levels. He's made Notre Dame relevant again. So 40 to one there's, yeah, I wouldn't bet on LSU, but I think, you know, that makes a ton of sense. Whereas Kentucky to one, or excuse me, Kentucky 40 to one, that also makes some sense. Cause you don't, you know, hell Kentucky wiped the floor with LSU last year, but you don't just don't think of Kentucky as having the talent of LSU, but what right. they do have, is consistency, outstanding mm-hmm. coaching. Uh, they've got many players back, so there's a quarterback. lot quarterback yeah. who, hell, uh, as, as soon as we put out the uh, the podcast, Shane, that uh, Will Levis getting some buzz for first round. There was uh, <laughs> there was someone I think it was Pro Football Focus put Will Levis in their their round one mock for the the, the next draft. So that I thought that mm. was pretty interesting. A lot of buzz around Will Levis basically is the point. Wouldn't you like that, man? I, every team wants that. Their quarterback getting first-round buzz starting the season. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I like – out of those three, mm-hmm. if I was putting money on any of the teams, it's definitely Kentucky there. Now, we've got two other teams out of the SEC. West Shane, 20-1. to 1. Ole Miss, mm-hmm. Texas, A&M. Kind of surprised to see Ole Miss in the same class as A&M on the odds right. like this, but, hell, how can you debate it? Lane Kiffin – just won 10 games. 
I know they've lost a lot of talent. They lost a lot of coaches, but they're again, they're, they're another one that's rated the transfer portal and mm-hmm. just Texas A&M loaded across the board with talent. So 20 to one, I'm, I'm buying both of those. Yeah. 20 to one. Now Ole Miss is a fun pick there. Um, you know, obviously I'm not as high as, as a lot of people on Ole Miss, but you talk about situational coaching. That's, that's what Kiffin offers. And, and sometimes he's going to catch some of these teams off guard. And, and, you know, if you do it right, man, next thing you know, you're dancing in Atlanta. So yeah, I'll, out of those two, though, I'm definitely I'm leaning a little more toward Texas A&M. I don't know about you, Mike. Yeah, I I think so. And just until we know what we're getting at, I will miss because they're again they're like a complete mm-hmm. wild card this year. You know what? Mm-hmm. Now the, now again, no surprise at the top of the list. Shane Georgia second best odds. They're plus one ten, and then Alabama is a heavy favorite minus one forty, which means yeah. you have you have to bet. <laughs> 140 bucks to, to get back a hundred. Uh, so, you know, that's basically what it, we've been echoing, echoing. That's what everybody's been echoing. Alabama, the heavy favorite to win the league, Georgia, the heavy favorite to win the East. But let me ask you this real quick, Shay, cause this is something I touched yeah. on during the draft recap. Georgia just set the record 15 draft picks yeah. in the NFL draft. I know Georgia's still going to be loaded. I know, they're going to be picked to win the East by most people. But that, that's that got to give you some hesitation, <laughs> don't you think? To, to They put so much talent in the NFL. That that cracks the door open for the rest of the SEC East, I would have to Absolute, think. Absolutely. I think about those heavy years that, that Alabama put, put put loaded roster into the league. You know, it felt like there was some, some moments and some games of, like this year as a prime example. And then you look at the LSU, you know, which previously had the record at, uh, what was it, 13, something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. look how quickly they fell off after a draft class. So it's easier said than done. You know, you, that old saying, you, we don't rebuild, we just reload. But, you know, you're to, to reload 14, you know, NFL talent players on your roster, that is not easy to do. And it, and it's not off – it's never been done before. So, right. um, yeah, that, that would definitely give me some pause. But you got to remember, every year, Georgia's right there at the top with the recruiting classes. So, maybe <laughs> maybe they're a little closer to that, re, that reloading than most teams. But uh, that's definitely going to – that definitely gives me pause if I'm looking at betting on one of these teams. Out of both of them, I, I'm definitely going to probably – move toward Alabama there. Uh, but, you know, I'm not confident in either, either one of those picks. Mm-hmm. Now, hey, sure, we got just uh, real quick news and notes around the league before we get to our interview with Jake Wimberly. Man, do we hear it from you Mizzou fans when we don't talk about you. We, we, we got something for him, Shane. This this is pretty interesting. Now, now there's two ways to look at this, though. But uh, so Baylor, they named a starting quarterback, and it's a, it yeah. was actually last season's backup. So – of course, what's that mean in college football? It means the, the other quarterback's jumping in the portal. And yeah. his name's Gary Bohannon, Shane. Baylor went 12-2 and two last year. They won the Big 12. He was their starting quarterback. He threw for uh, 2,200 passing yards, 18 touchdowns, seven interceptions, rushed for 323 yards, and nine touchdowns. So, you know, it certainly looks like he would be a capable, you know, one-year guy there for the Missouri Tigers. Yeah. Let's hope they get him. If they do, I'll I'll do a you know a deeper dive on on what he potentially brings. But let me just say this because I man, we can't even be honest about Missouri anymore because people just say we hate him. But 
Yeah. The fact that every quarterback that jumps into the damn portal, Missouri's in on them. I mean, how can you look at it than any other way than the coaching staff just does not – they? how can you argue that they feel confident with what they're working with at the quarterback position? I don't see how you can. No. No, I don't see how you can either, but uh, I, I don't – I still think they're going to land one. But even, even then, even if you are a little confident, Mike – so think about uh, like like Tennessee last year. Mm-hmm. You know, you have you have Hooker, and then he goes down, and this team just it, it was it was in bad shape, brother. You look at Texas A and M quarterback one goes out, they get in bad shape. So it's like you do need more than one quarterback on your roster. You got to be prepared. So I, I'm not totally scared. I'm not in full panic. You know, this may be more of a more of a hey, we need to we need a we need better roster. We need more more players in that in that quarterback room. But I don't know. I, I I'm not I'm not throwing out the the white flag either here with Mizzou. I just think they're they're looking for someone. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I've got this guy. But if we could get this guy, I think we'll be in better shape. I think that's where they're at right now. I think Mizzou's good with what they have. But if they can buy some time for some of these younger quarterbacks. I think that's what they're looking for. They're just looking for a bridge, man. And it doesn't have to be a full season. I, I still think, you know, halfway through the season we may see – so maybe like Sam Horn or something, you know, hits halfway through the season. I, I, I think that's what they're looking for. They're not – they're looking for a mentor, and I think that's what they – that's why they're on this uh, this portal so hard. They're just looking for some some senior leadership, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you might be onto something, and that is a perfect analogy because you don't – what you don't want to bring in is a guy that, that's got three years to play because then yeah. every quarterback on your roster is like, well, what the hell? You know, we're, we're never seeing the field. So Exactly. Uh, and, you know, I, on the other hand, you gotta you got to look at it from this angle too, I think, Shane. If you're Eli Drinkwitz, you're going into year three. Mm-hmm. If you cannot win in the SEC with what you got, the fans are not going to sit here and say, well, you tried. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got to win in the SEC. Otherwise, they'll get your ass out of there quick. So, oh, yeah. credit him to you – know, he's just trying to put the team in the best position to win next season. And that's it. I give him credit for that. Yeah, that's all it is. No participation badges. In. And I'll tell you, it's funny. <laughs> I can't remember who tweeted it, but somebody tweeted, uh, Missouri in the SEC is like uh, Christian Leitner on the dream team. Did you hear that one? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Or that, but I'm telling you, the the rally cry that went across. These Mizzou fans are so damn hungry, and I think that's, I think that's one of the things, one of the factors we keep leaving out because you don't think about the fandom up there, you don't think about the boosters of Mizzou. But I'm telling you, if they want this Baylor kid, if they can get some money put together, a nice little NIL package. They'll have them a new quarterback on that on that roster next year. They just got to make sure that this is the guy they want because this isn't the last transfer portal that we're going to hear this offseason. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they need to they, they need to be careful and make sure when they go all in on one, uh, is it the dude? Mm-hmm. Well, funny you should mention that, Shane, because that's the other two things I wanted to hit on real quick. Transfer portal, Arkansas Razorbacks, they landed a defensive lineman named Terry Hampton. He played mm-hmm. for Arkansas State last season. He's got 36 games of experience, 61 tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. And this is a guy with one year of eligibility, six foot, 293 pounds. So not a guy that is just going to you know rack up the sacks or anything. 
But yeah. Arkansas desperately needs help on the interior of that defensive line. They just signed a, a guy last offseason, John Ridgeway, got him to the NFL in one year. So that's got to mm-hmm. be the sales pitch here for to Terry Hamilton. Come, <laughs> come in, you know, work your ass off with this uh, Barry Odom defense. We'll get you to the NFL. That that could be a, a you know a, a pickup. Not a lot of the SEC is is uh, you know it's not going to blow anyone away with that news, but could really mm-hmm. help Arkansas's defense next season. And that's the same deal, Shane, with them Vols, because they landed Ohio State safety Andre Turrentine, who was the number nine safety prospect in the country just a year ago. Went up there, spent one season at Ohio State. Their, mm-hmm. their, their starters are both returning, so he's bouncing to Tennessee where the path to the starting rotation, <laughs> Tennessee, that's, that's arguably their biggest weakness is the defensive backfield. I think right. uh, Turrentine is going to start immediately for Tennessee, I think, and he's got four years of eligibility re- remaining. And, hey, oh, we're, turbentine. we're hearing yeah. another <laughs> another Tennessee transfer uh, expected at any at any moment here. Could be a – I don't want to ruin that guy's moment here, but could be a big week for Tennessee on the on the transfer portal trail. What's going on, what's going on with the, the pit wide receiver? Ooh, <laughs> is that is that him? Is that one you're talking no, about? No, not, not that guy. Oh, but okay. Yeah, apparently, just man. changed jerseys there at the pit game. That's what we should have done. <laughs> just say, hey, man, they can keep Peyton's grandson there. <laughs> let the, let us keep the receiver for another year. <laughs> that's a that's a story for another day on that one, Shane. So, well, the, the guy you're talking about, Jordan Addison, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to see where he goes. Hopefully, he comes to the SEC. But it sounds like he's already got himself. A nice deal lined up with uh, a team out there in Southern California. Oh, get out of here with that! They'll probably be locked down again. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, is there any other? Is there any other uh, transfer news? Any any others uh, that you're just rumors? You know, the old rumor mill. Mm, yeah, I mean the deadline has is here and passed, but I guess they have. This is how weird it is, Shane. The, the deadline's May one, mm-hmm. but apparently they they were allowed to go in on May one, and then the pay. For some reason, it takes 48 hours for the paperwork to go through. So, okay. I mean, there's there could be guys popping up um, at, at any point in time, but uh, n- no one headed to the SEC that I'm aware of at this time. Okay. All right, man. Well, I, if, you, if you're going to find out, you're going to find out on this podcast. won't be for me, but it'll be, <laughs> <laughs> be from our fearless leader, SEC Mike, of course. <laughs> but I, hey, So, uh-huh. if, if when it does hit, when these news hit, just be sure to check out the Twitter feed because that's the first thing we're going to load up. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's that SEC podcast. Get on there. Uh, follow. Uh, or try to follow everybody back. If I didn't, you know, send a message, and then we'll be sure to follow you back. But uh, – that's where uh, you can get the news if you want to keep up with your transfers. Absolutely, Shane. Well said. And, hey, I'm going to let you go here in just a minute, but we got our interview here with Jake Wimberly, 105.5 FM, ESPN Radio, Jackson, Mississippi. This is, you know, we've had Jake on many a times to talk Ole Miss, Mississippi Mm -hmm. State, but we're talking CFB Hourglass his website here that covers the entire SEC. So this is going to be an all-SEC interview. I think the audience is really going to like. Well, we're pleased to once again be joined by a friend of the show, Jake Wimberly. you got to give him a follow, at Jake Wim. And he is, of course, the host of the Afternoon Drive on ESPN Radio 105.9. And he's the owner 
of the CFB Hourglass.com. Jake, thank you so much for joining me. I always appreciate our chats. Michael, my pleasure, my friend. I always enjoy it as well. I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, and you know we love having you on, Jake, to talk Mississippi State and Ole Miss football because you're so plugged in to what's going on with those programs, being out of uh, the state of Mississippi and, and being a, a flagship member of, of the number one radio station in that state. But the reason I wanted to have you on is because your site, the CFB Hourglass.com, has put out some projections for the upcoming season. So this is going to be a little more all across the SEC, which our audience loves to hear about. And let's start with your Power 10. You got a couple SEC teams in your Power 10. Uh, first of all, can you explain what is the Power 10 when we're talking the CFB Hourglass? And the 10 we're talking about here, Alabama, number one, no surprise. Georgia, number three. Texas A&M, number four. And then a little bit of a surprise here, Tennessee, number 10. So can you break down uh, how you devise these power 10? Absolutely. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Let me just give a little quick backstory. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, you know, I have an engineering background. I uh, went to Mississippi State, graduated in civil engineering, minored in mathematics. And before I got off of the you know, multimedia and sports, uh, you know, almost uh, five, well, almost six years ago, I've been doing podcasting and radio for about, about a decade. I uh, always had, a, you know, kind of like a lot of us sports fans, an affinity for picking games, you know, just to be able to pick, you know, grab the athlons, as you say, or the Lindy's that go down through the schedule and say, hey, that looks like a win, that looks like a loss, you know, win, loss, win, loss, or whatever. And, look, i got to give a lot of credit to people that started doing this before me, like the Dave Bartuz of the world, who does a great job with College Football Matrix. There's some others, uh, some professors that I got to know from the University of Illinois and just kind of really started doing some homework. And I've always thought when, you know, Moneyball came out, the movie Moneyball, I said, man, it would be interesting. And when Dave started doing this and some others, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, to put together some sort of an analytical system of my own to project college football. Now, you know, Bill Conley does this with ESPN, his SP Plus, and Bill is a friend and has done a great job of this. So it's not unique, um, you know, per se to the, to the industry, but it is unique because it's mine. So what I did is I kind of broke down and said, okay, what is the most important things to – college football, at least for me, in my estimation. One, obviously, is talent. Uh, some people use a four-year talent metric. Some people use a five. We've got the transfer portal. I use a three because three, after about three years, and we're definitely seeing it now in the you know, advent of NIL and, and uh, the transfer portal, your rosters are going to look completely different. I mean, we just saw you know, LSU, I believe, had uh, 20 of their last 22 players off that 2019 team were drafted. So rosters change really, really quickly. So I've got a three-year moving talent mark uh, mark for every team so we you know we have an identifier there coaching some people use uh assistance some people don't i do not i treat the coach as a cfo of a program or the ceo of a program uh, i mean you look at nick saban he's had massive turnover as far as a head coach is concerned so but he's been able to you know kind of get by that some coaches have not we'll see if Davos Swinney can do it this year quarterback play i i don't know of a lot of people that use this quarterback i use quarterback play as a big big identifier in my in my in my model so returning quarterback play, and I have a system that I plug in, you know, stats and information to that ranks the quarterbacks. No surprise, Bryce Young, number one, uh, you know, Ohio State uh, quarterback, number two. So, you know, I go quarterback, and then I use offensive and defensive scoring efficiency, and then I also use, uh, you know, schedule rankings matter, 
And then, of course, I added last year uh, what I call the impact ball catcher metric, which is your wide receivers, because that's become the most important part of an offense outside of a quarterback. So all that to say is it develops into a, a number for each team. And I do all 129 teams around the country. And what I'll do is I'll that pow, those numbers are identifiers that give me the power ranking that you're referencing the office to talk about. After I get the power ranking, I get through the schedules because the scheduling does matter. And then we come up with final records. And then we can give final records who we think is going to, you know, state's going to finish this way, Tennessee's going to finish this way. We put that out. And then also what I can do is we hit the, you know, kind of the jackpot, no pun intended, with sports gaming in the state of Mississippi. I can accumulate, you know, process my own Vegas lines and use it for sports gaming type stuff in the fall. So that's how the model was derived seven years ago. It's evolved over time. And, of course, with the power rankings, that's kind of where we are. The power rankings are not the same thing as the final rankings. I want to make sure that's understood. Yeah, and you know I gotta be honest with you, Jake. I'm glad Cousin Shane's not on the on the line here because his head would have just exploded with all that data and information you threw at us. But to rehash your top ten teams in there, the SEC teams at least that's that's what we focus on here. Alabama number one, no surprise. Georgia number three, Texas A&M four, and Tennessee number ten. So I gotta believe that. Uh, Tennessee bringing back Hendon Hooker that must have played a huge role in your uh, inclusion of the Vols in the in the Power Ten. Massive, massive. It's you know Tennessee with Hooker coming back that is a big big get to get him back in the fold. Uh, you look at Tennessee. Obviously, we know they're recruiting better. That recruiting's really going to show up next year and the year after. It looks like under Josh Heupel. But yeah, Tennessee I think has uh, the type of team they at least have enough talent to compete most Saturdays. Hendon Hooker though on just about every Saturday is going to be the best quarterback on the field that Tennessee steps on. You know, Alabama, that's no surprise with Bryce Young, the talent, the coaching, receivers that, you know, that they've brought into the transfer portal. Georgia, you know, the Georgia at three, their talent is extremely, extremely good. Uh, you know, we talk about that. Uh, I think Stetson Bennett is still somewhat of a liability for them. Um, so you talk about Texas A&M, their recruiting has moved them up. Jimbo Fisher, uh, he, he still populates well on the coaching rankings. But, yes, Tennessee with Hendon Hooker, uh, I like Tennessee. I've got them winning 10 ball games this year. I think that could be this could be a very good year for Tennessee. Hmm. The CFB Hourglass has got SEC teams with having the talent to win the national championship this fall. No surprise, Alabama, Georgia, that's, that's assumed. Texas A&M, I think the way they're recruiting, you can just factor them in right there, basically right right along with those two. But you got LSU, Tennessee, and Florida. Kind of, we just hit on Tennessee. Was it a surprise to you that LSU and Florida, based on your model, has the talent to win the national championship? Yeah, it, it did. And again, you know, uh, if you have a model that you agree with everything on, it's probably a bad model. You know, so you're going to look at some stuff and go, "Wow, that that doesn't even look right." So did I do something wrong? Why does it look that way? Let's take LSU first. When you look at LSU. A lot of attrition, but Brian Kelly has been able to stock the culvert nicely. Um, he's done a great job going to the transfer portal, picking up players that's going to you know, make a difference on this team. And then you got to look at Brian Kelly as a coach. I mean, Brian Kelly as a coach, I have him as my third best coach in the SEC this year. His profile, especially over the last three years, what he's been at, the way he was able to elevate Notre Dame, you would have to think that he's going to do that. And look, Jaden Daniels is not, uh, you know, going to be, uh, you know, a, a top tier quarterback in the SEC. I think he likely gets that job. I talked with Billy and Body 247 Sports 
uh, today on my show, and he was talking about Jaden Daniels. You know, looks like he could possibly be the leader, but just a little bit over, over Miles Brennan. But, yeah, so when you look at LSU and you, and you look at the talent coming back and the talent that they've added, they do have enough talent, at least in theory, to make the college football playoff. The problem is they play in the SEC West with Alabama and, and the schedule. Same way with Florida. Florida returns a lot of talent. Billy Napier has, has gotten some transfers in. He's, he's got a quarterback that, at least if he stays healthy, could, could end up being a really, really good quarterback in the SEC. And Napier himself is a really good coach. Now, he hasn't coached on the Power Five level, but he has, has shown what he can do as, as a, uh, you know, a group of five coach down there at Louisiana Lafayette. And, and let's not forget, Brian Kelly started out in a group of five as well. So, uh, you know, in theory, they do have enough talent if they were playing in another conference probably to punch that ticket. It just so happens they play in the SEC. Right, and here I'm just looking at the other teams, Jacob. Tennessee, LSU, A&M, Georgia. Florida's got to play all of them this year. So, man, no breaks given old Billy Napier year one down there in Gainesville. But uh, the CFB Hourglass has also got a couple of SEC teams with enough talent to make a playoff run. And a couple of these are interesting, Jake, so I want to I get your thoughts on it. Auburn you got? Kentucky, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and I think the biggest surprise here, Missouri. Um, which one of those was the biggest surprise to you? Probably Missouri when you look at it. I mean, look, Missouri, it, they've done a nice job. It just, again, they're the fourth or fifth most talented team in the SEC East. And if you took, say, for instance, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, it, it, it's the numbers, and again, this is all in theory, if, if you took Mississippi State and Ole Miss, for instance, and you put them in the, in the Big 12, odds are they would have a really good shot of winning those leagues. Um, if you took, uh, you know, a team like Kentucky, I mean, who brings back Will Levis, who's already populating on, uh, you know, a lot of NFL draft boards in the first round next year. Uh, and remember, cross-check this with the talent that goes into the NFL every year. I mean, again, the SEC, 11th of the last 12, 11 of the last 12 years, they've had more first-round guys go in the first round than anybody in the country. So, it's just a talent-rich uh, conference. We know that. We know about the kids that come into the SEC. So it's, it's no surprise that they move into that, that, that buffer, that zone, shall we say, that second tier of talent, uh, because they're all recruiting inside the mid-20s annually. They're all bringing in transfer kids that are going to make an impact. It just so happens, again, that they have to all play each other. Now, the CFB Hourglass, you've also got projections out for uh, the entire SEC, the East and the West, you can find a, a link to the article in the show notes. But I wanted to ask you about uh, the projections for the East, Jake. You got Georgia, number one. No, I mean, everybody and their mother is probably going to have Georgia winning the East. No surprise. We've already hit on Tennessee. Got them as a 10-win ball club. But these next three, Jake, Kentucky, Florida, South Carolina, that's the order. The CFB Hourglass has got it with all those teams – Again, Kentucky, Florida, and South Carolina all having a projected 4-4 four and four conference record. I mean, we're talking a, a razor-thin margin that's got to be, even in your model, between those three. It is a razor-thin. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, when I go through and I crank out the schedules, I highlight, and I'll get to team previews here coming up in the next week or two where we'll start rolling out, and you'll be able to see game-by-game -game projections. And I always highlight what I call, you know, basically the one-possession ball games, And what you're going to see – is typically Kentucky, Florida, Mississippi State, Arkansas, you know, the middle of the pack of the SEC. They're going to play those one-possession ball games. I mean, Arkansas did it at Ole Miss last year. 
Uh, Mississippi State did it against LSU. You can go down the line and find them. But I like this Kentucky team. It's it's a well-built Kentucky team. Mark Stoops has done a phenomenal job. He's one of the, the better coaches in the league. They've got a quarterback that comes back in Levis that, that is going to be a, a game-changer, so to speak, on a lot of Saturdays for Kentucky. It, it's just when you start looking at the scheduling and I always look at, you know, hey, who a team plays prior to this week and who they play after because it does matter. Um, you know, when you start talking about a team like Kentucky that shows up in the middle of the pack in the talent talent metric there on the list, if, if they're beating, you know, banging heads with a team that's more talented the week prior, they play a team that's equally as talented this week and then a more talented team next week, odds are they're probably going to lose two of those three ballgames. You know, Jack and Cheryl used to have a say at Mississippi State. He said, we can really only motivate these guys about three times a year, you know, for the big rivalry games, the opening game, and one in the middle. And the rest of the time it's going to take those guys, you know, self-motivation, you know, team leaders and that kind of stuff. So it's really hard to, to get these teams up for every week. Uh, and the good coaches can really do it. But I, I do like Kentucky. And then Florida is an interesting dynamic. They open up with Utah this year. You know, that's going to be, uh, you know, a really, really big ball game for both programs. And, you know, if Billy Napier can get that signature win, then, uh, you know, and Anthony Richardson has kind of a coming out party. Then that could kind of propel Florida forward. And then, with you know, South Carolina, I love what Shane Beamer's done. Spencer Rattler, a great addition. But again, you look at their schedule, they have to play Clemson at the end of the year. They get Georgia. Uh, and hey, put Georgia on upset alert week three. I, I like South Carolina possibly to pull that upset in week three. Ooh. There's a clip right there, Jake. I appreciate that one. So CFB Hourglass has also projected the SEC West. And of course, you got Alabama number one undefeated. But AM, you know, not a not a big surprise. I, I wouldn't have them this high, but Texas AM eleven and one. Certainly possible with all the talent they've amassed in College Station. What's the gap there with with the model? I mean, is it you know too too much to expect A and M to possibly win the West this this time? You know, that's one of those teams where you look at the model and you say this this doesn't make sense. You know, it, it hasn't happened. Uh, they've underachieved to a certain extent with Jimbo Fisher there. He still shows up at a, at a very high clip in the coaching rankings. The talent has totally been changed. You you know this yourself. I mean, Texas A&M gets off the bus. They look no different than Alabama and Georgia. I mean, they look the part. Um, you know, the quarterback is the big is the big question mark for them. If if they can have a quarterback show up that really kind of takes control of that team, and you look at that schedule, then yeah, Texas A&M. You know, it could come down to a you know that game in Tuscaloosa, but, and then you know obviously they've got to finish. But the problem with Texas A&M is you know, laying the eggs in the game that they shouldn't lay. You know, they've got to go beat Arkansas in that neutral site game fourth week, third or fourth week of the season. They've got to beat both Mississippi schools. They haven't been able to do that in a lot of years where they beat both of them in the same year. So it's the consistency part for Texas A&M. I think the rest of everything else that they're doing lines up. They're going to be really good defensively. Uh, they're going to, you know, be, they're going to run the football. They're going to be physical. They've just got to play at a higher clip offensively and, and do it do it on a week-in and week-out basis. Now the model's got Arkansas nine and three. Again, that ain't far off the pace, Jake. That I love the Razorbacks. You know, those fans are circling uh, Alabama coming to town. They anticipate being undefeated. Of course, they, they'd have to go through A and M. That's a that's a tough ask. But you know what? What are the odds Arkansas has a dream season where you know maybe they knock off Alabama finally? You know, it could happen. I, I love K.J. Jefferson and what he's been able to do. I love Sam Pittman and the staff. He's been able to hold the staff together. 
they're they're just a well put together football team. They're going to hit you square, square in the mouth. Uh, you know, can they can they find the playmakers? Traylon Burks, obviously, off to the NFL, and find those you know the, that elite type talent on the edge for KJ Jefferson to throw to. You know, they're going to run the ball. You know, they have a week two matchup against Cincinnati that you know I'm interested to see. Not the same Cincinnati team. Not Desmond Ritter lost a lot of talent off that team. But if they can get by that game, and then of course get by Texas A&M. Uh, in, a, in a pivotal matchup on that, you know, Jerry's world. And this could turn out to be a really good year. You know, the fact that they get Ole Miss at home, I, I like the Razorbacks in that game. Uh, you know, LSU, again, somewhat down. I think that they can get that ball game as well. So the schedule lines up well for Arkansas to, to reel off eight and or nine wins. And, again, uh, just last year really seems like they kind of found that confidence and that leadership that they needed to do that last year. Yeah, and last thing for you, Jake, you know, similar to the East, we, we've got a teams here in the West that I, I got to imagine, you know, so neck and neck here. LSU, Mississippi State, the models got them both at 7-5, and five, and Ole Miss 6-6. Six and six. I mean, you could convince me of, of those teams in any order and, and maybe even one or two jumping up the pack to, to catch an Arkansas, to catch a Texas A&M. Uh, how tough uh, was it to, to kind of comb between LSU and, Mississippi State and Ole Miss? Very tough. I mean, you know, typically I, I hit on these types of picks, you know, around 82%. That'll get you within two ball games of the, of the total record. So, you know, you may be off a game or two for sure. But when you look at Ole Miss, the front end of the schedule sets up well. I mean, they have Kentucky, I believe, week three or four right after Georgia Tech, whenever that is. I, I don't have that in front of me. If they can – and I have Kentucky going in and winning a close ball game in Oxford. So that's a swing game for both of those teams. But if Ole Miss can get that game, then they're going to run undefeated until probably the bye week, and then they play Alabama. So the back end of that schedule for us is where the, the you know the brutal part of it is. They run about five or six weeks where it's it's the SEC gauntlet. So you know if Jackson Dart, there's a lot of things we don't know. How good is Jackson Dart going to be? How will this offense come together? You know will the defense uh, you know play at a, at a higher level than they did last year? The defense that got them you know helped get them to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, same way with LSU. You know I mean if if Jaden Daniels ends up being a quarterback that is, you know, in the top half of the league, that could propel LSU, you know, a game or two. And the same thing for Mississippi State. I mean, Mike Leach with Will Rogers, the consistency part, much like Texas A&M, plus the State Leach has not been a consistent, uh, not have a, has a consistent football team in Starkville. So it's very, it's razor thin between those three. Would not be surprised to see, you know, put them in a hat, shake them up and pull them out. It looked totally different. All right, he's Jake Wimberly. Again, give him a follow at Jake Wim, host of the Afternoon Drive, ESPN Radio 105.9, and owner of the CFB Hourglass. Cannot thank you enough, Jake. And you got anything to plug uh, on your way out the door here? No, hey, just uh, catch the show when you can. Uh, you can stream it uh, if you're not in the state of Mississippi on the zone1059.com. That's the zone1059.com. Just hit play on the website. You can get it on your phone, tablet, anywhere. Uh, check out CFB Hourglass. We'll be giving out, uh, you know, weekly uh, stuff on there as far as pieces on teams, uh, you know, different types of stuff that come up, some audio stuff as well. Uh, and, of course, you can always follow me on Twitter, at Jake Wim. Yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate you, Jake. And, and for the listeners, again, you can find links to all of Jake's works in the show notes. So thank you once again. I, I can't wait to talk to you again. This, this has been outstanding. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it as always. All right, so just want to say thanks again to my buddy Jake Wimberly. Give him a follow on the Twitter machine at Jake Wim. But uh, hey, buddy, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the show. You got, I know you already kind of spilled your guts there. You got anything else before we hop off the line? (laughs) No, but I did got to say one thing. 
My uh, somebody asked the other day. I put this out there, and there's only so many characters you can put on Twitter. But uh, I was <laughs> my daughter. I got a, I got a 13 year old, and she, her and her little friend, they want to get something inside the grocery store, and it's it's something that I that I always let them do. You know, hey, go in, get they want to get a Powerade or a Starbucks or whatever. You know, and then she comes back, don't think anything of it. You know, so they're getting back into the truck the other day, and I overhear a conversation they're having, and they're saying. Yeah, uh, you know, usually we donate and, and something, and I'm and I'm like, wait, what did she say? He goes, yeah, it's weird they didn't ask this time. So at my grocery store, which like every fast food, every store asks you to donate anymore. You know what I'm saying? Then you yeah. feel like an asshole if you don't <laughs> donate. You know? It's like, like, so I'm I'm listening until they'll have this conversation. He says, yeah, it's weird they didn't ask, and and I said, didn't ask what? She goes, you know, they didn't ask me to donate anything. I said, have you been donating every time you go in there? She was like, yeah. She goes, I love to donate. And I was like, oh. As she's handing me my credit card. (laughs) So I'm like, how much much donation? Like, I could have done this as a tax write-off or something like that. But it was just... It was just so funny. It's like, oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, you know, and handed me the card. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh. Would you donate your money then? But anyway, I, I just thought about that. So be sure to donate to somebody special today, Mike, if you got one out there. Round it up, whatever it is. But I just I, I put that on Twitter, and somebody was asking for the full story, and that was it, man. My little donator back here. Just never know what you're going to get with Cousin Shane. But that's a perfect place to end this one. Uh, don't forget to give us a follow on the Apple Podcast at Five Star Rip Reviews. We'll give you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. Same deal with the Spotify app. All you got to do is email us those ratings and reviews at that SEC podcast at gmail.com. But that's going to do it. I appreciate you as always, Shane. I appreciate each and every one of you. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. Yeah, like $7 Gatorades. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, just, I mean, I know inflation's in there, but I didn't realize I'm donating five bucks every time she goes in there. <laughs>